Hey folks, attorney Andrew Branca here from Law of Self-Defense. Yesterday was the sixth day of testimony in the murder trial of Curtis Reeves, the retired Tampa SWAT captain who shot and killed Chad Olson in a local movie theater in January 2014 after the two men had a verbal altercation that became physical. The defense presented an additional three witnesses throughout the trial day. Two of those, Vivian Reeves, the wife of Curtis Reeves, and Dr. Donna Cohen, an expert on aging, were frankly of limited interest for reasons I'll discuss in a moment. The final witness of the day, Bruce E. Koenig, provided testimony that is perhaps best described as tiresome. It did, however, present a view of the movie theater surveillance video that is strongly consistent with the defense narrative that defendant Curtis Reeves shot and killed Chad Olson under circumstances consistent with lawful self-defense. The enhanced, slowed, and zoomed version shown in court yesterday was difficult to make out on the court's live stream, but I share a zoomed and annotated version of my own creation of that video uh, a bit later in this content for illustrative purposes. Uh, of course, the video testimony of all three of these witnesses is embedded in the text version of today's content. Now, before I jump into the substance of today's content, I do want to mention, of course, our sponsor, CCW Safe, a provider of legal service memberships that many people mistakenly call self-defense insurance. In effect, CCW Safe promises to pay their members legal expenses if the member is involved in a use of force event, and those expenses start big and get bigger fast, folks. It's not unusual to go through $200,000 or more just pre-trial expense if you've been charged with murder or manslaughter in a self-defense case. So if you don't have that kind of money stuffed in a mattress just in case you're compelled to defend yourself or your family with deadly force, it can be helpful to have that financial partner standing behind you to make sure you have the resources you need to fight the legal battle the way you want it fought as if the rest of your life depends on it, because really it does. Now, I've looked at all the companies that offer similar services, as you might imagine, and I found that CCW Safe is by far the best fit for me. I'm personally a member. My wife, Emily, is personally a member. Whether they're the best fit for you is something only you can decide, but I do urge you to take a look at what they have to offer by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com slash ccwsafe. And if you do decide to become a member, you can save 10% off your membership with them using the discount code LOSD10, that's L-O-S-D for Law of Self-Defense, and the number 10 at that URL, lawofselfdefense.com slash ccwsafe. I should also mention that once again, also, I'll be doing a live stream analysis and commentary of today's trial proceedings over at Rakita Law's YouTube channel. You'll be able to find today's live show for this seventh day of this trial at lawofselfdefense.com slash popcorn seven. That's popcorn and the number seven. So let's dive now into the substance of today's content. It's perhaps worth taking a moment to refresh our recollection of the competing narratives of guilt and innocence in this trial. This is how I described them in my coverage of the trial a few days ago. The state's narrative of guilt is essentially that Curtis Reeves shot and killed Chad Olson out of malice when Olson acted disrespectfully to the retired police officer, cursing at him in the open theater in front of Reeves' wife and others after Reeves triggered uh, the state is attempting to, the misleading argue here, provoked uh, the confrontation by complaining about Olson's cell phone use in the theater as Olson was seated immediately in front of Reeves. 
The verbal confrontation escalated to the physical, according to the state, when Olson seized Reeves' popcorn from his hands and flicked it back at Reeves. At that point, Reeves drew a 380 caliber Keltec pistol and fired the single round that would penetrate Nicole Olson's hand and strike Chad Olson fatally in the chest. The state has attacked the defense claim of self-defense on essentially every element with varying degrees of credibility, including attacking the element of innocence on the grounds that it was Reeves who triggered the confrontation by initiating contact, mere verbal contact, with Olson attacking imminence on the grounds that whatever threat Olson may have posed was already over when the shot was fired, attacking proportionality on the grounds that whatever threat Olson may have posed was unlikely to have inflicted death or grave bodily harm, and attacking reasonableness on the grounds that even if Rees had a subgenuine, good-faith, subjective perception of a grave bodily harm attack, that perception was objectively unreasonable. The element of avoidance is generally off the table as a target of attack on the facts of this case, given Florida's stand-your-ground status. And by the way, I urge you to get our free infographic, Five Elements of Self-Defense Law. You can get that for free at lawofselfdefense.com slash elements. The defense narrative of self-defense is that Curtis Reeves shot and killed Chad Olson in self-defense after Olson engaged in physical aggression that was reasonably perceived by Reeves as using and threatening imminent force reasonably likely to inflict grave bodily injury upon him. Prior to seizing Reeves' popcorn, according to the defense, the six-foot-four-inch, 43-year-old Olson had hurled angry F-bombs, turned in a seat, stood up, and leaned aggressively over the then 71-year-old in frail health, forcibly struck Reeves in the temple with a hard object, then continued to throw his hands at Reeves in the process of seizing and hurling his popcorn. The defense is placing particular weight on their claims of Reeves' Uh, purportedly frail health and therefore exceptional vulnerability to grave bodily harm at the hands of the much younger and very large attacking Chad Olson. Indeed, so aggressive was Chad Olson's conduct that his own wife, Nicole, placed her hand on his chest to restrain him. So it was that the single shot fired by Reeves in self-defense passed through her hand and into her husband's chest with fatal result. So those are the competing narratives of guilt and innocence in this trial. Let's turn now to yesterday's witnesses. I'll start with the final witness of the day, Bruce Koenig, video forensic consultant, because his testimony touches on perhaps the most vital physical evidence in this trial relative to self-defense. The actual testimony of Koenig can only be described as tiresome. Roughly 90 minutes of the start of his testimony involved the defense going over a lengthy recitation of his background, credentials, and qualifications, and understandably so. Koenig is almost shockingly qualified as a video forensic consultant. Rather than recite that detail here, I'll simply embed his 11-page CV in the text version of today's content, or you can watch it all for 90 minutes on the Koenig testimony video also embedded in the text version of today's content. The second half of Koenig's testimony was a more substantive presentation of enhanced, enlarged, and zoomed versions of the surveillance video captured from inside the theater during the confrontation and shooting at the center of this case. Unfortunately, the manner in which this video was shown on live stream with the courtroom camera at a sharp angle to the highly reflective big screen television used to present the video to the jury, 
made it all but impossible to make out much of anything from my own perspective watching the courtroom live stream. I have requested a copy of this video file from for this evidence from the Reeves defense team, but have not yet heard back, understandably enough, given that they're neck deep in a trial fighting for their client's life. If I do obtain a copy of that video file, I'll be sure to share it with all of you in the law self-defense community. What I do have, however, is a zoomed and annotated version of the theater surveillance video of my own creation. Now, I'm certainly no video forensic expert, but I believe the version I've created captures the essence of what the defense is attempting to do with Koenig's prepared video. I'm going to share that video that I created with you in just a moment. Now, importantly, Koenig was not permitted to testify as to what can be seen in the video. He's not, for example, permitted to testify, and that's when the punch occurred. He can only show the video to the jury, and then it's up to the jury to decide what the video shows them. While this is a perfectly correct approach by the court to presenting the Koenig video to the jury, it unfortunately also made the second half of Koenig's testimony nearly as interminable as the first half, as he simply played a series of silent, hard to view, from my perspective, videos without substantive commentary. So here's the video I've prepared myself, essentially just a zoomed and annotated version of the right side theater surveillance video. Uh, specifically, I've zoomed in on the bottom right corner of the original video, which is where the action between Reeves and Olson's takes place. And I've also included only the few seconds of the original video that captures the final confrontation between the two men after Reeves comes back from complaining to theater management and the shot occurs. My annotation consists of characterizations of the action on the screen, which Koenig was not permitted to do, along with timestamps. So I'm going to tell you now what I perceive happening in the video, and then I'll share that video with you right here. What I perceive happening in the video clip is an apparent strike by Chad Olson upon Curtis Reeves at timestamp 1326.25, then a roughly 10-second delay, then Olsen reaching back again to grab Reeves' popcorn, pull it back, then hurl it back at Reeves with another forward movement of his hand towards Reeves. Within a second of this second battery upon Reeves by Olsen, Reeves fires the fatal shot that passes through the restraining hand of Nicole Wilson and into Chad Olsen's chest with fatal result. So here's that zoomed and annotated video clip of my own creation. Enjoy it now. Remember that in a criminal trial, the defendant is presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and further, that in a self-defense case, the state is obliged to disprove self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. That means that if the evidence supports even merely a reasonable doubt that the defendant's use of force could have been legally justified, the jury is instructed to acquit the defendant rather than find the defendant guilty. This video strikes me as entirely consistent with Reeves' narrative of self-defense and inconsistent with the state's narrative of guilt. On the self-defense element of innocence, Chad Olson was clearly not just the initial physical aggressor when he seized the popcorn. He was the initial physical aggressor prior to that moment with his initial strike against Reeves some 10 seconds earlier. On the element of imminence, Reeves' shot was not fired obviously after there was no longer an apparent threat from Olsen, but within a second of Olsen apparently engaging in a sustained battery upon Reeves with multiple blows. 
Certainly, there's no way that Curtis Reeves drew a pistol from a pocket and shot Chad Olson solely over the thrown popcorn, as the state media propaganda have claimed for more than eight years. There would simply have been not enough time for that. On the element of proportionality, a seated 71-year-old in frail health can certainly suffer serious bodily injury at the hands of a 43-year-old male towering over him at six foot four inches tall and 220 pounds. On the element of reasonableness, this video evidence supports a reasonable perception on the part of Reeves that he was being subject to an imminent and ongoing attack by Olson that could readily cause him serious bodily harm. Remember, the defense does not have to prove any of those propositions beyond a reasonable doubt or even by a preponderance of the evidence. The defense need merely prevent the state from disproving any one of those propositions beyond a reasonable doubt. Even if the state can convince the jury that it's more likely than not that one of those propositions fails, unless it is disproven by the much higher threshold of beyond a reasonable doubt, the jury is obliged to acquit Curtis Reeves rather than convict him. At this point in the trial, only partway through the defense's case-in-chief with the state having already rested, I don't see the state as having come close to disproving any required element of self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's particularly true in light of this video evidence that's utterly consistent with the defense narrative of self-defense. And given that the state has rested, and only the further evidence to be shown to the jury will be certainly come only from the defense, I don't see the state's narrative being strengthened between now and closing arguments. Now, let me turn back and go back to the first couple witnesses of the day. Uh, the first witness of the day was Dr. Donna Cohen, a very well-credentialed academic expert on aging. Importantly, however, Dr. Cohen is not a clinician of any kind. Accordingly, she did not medically examine Curtis Reeves and could not testify as to his personal aging characteristics infirmities, and frailties. Rather, Dr. Cohen was limited to discussing generally how aging typically leads to loss of biological function. Further, that persons experiencing aging were generally aware of their loss of capabilities, accompanied by an increasing awareness of their vulnerability to injury and harm from their environment. This awareness typically results in different decision-making in risk mitigation than would be the case in less aged persons. Now, I would expect that most any Florida jury would understand these characteristics of aging either from their own personal experience or simply from observing the many elderly people in their environment. So in that sense, Dr. Cohen's testimony would seem of limited value. That said, having her testimony puts the defense in a position to cite to it aggressively and authoritatively in their closing argument, which is, of course, rather the whole point. Direct questioning of Dr. Cohen was conducted by defense counsel Dino Michaels, and cross-examination was conducted by prosecutor Glenn Martin, and of course, all of Dr. Cohen's testimony is embedded, the video of it is embedded in the text version of today's content. The third witness of the day, the second chronologically, was Vivian Reeves, Curtis Reeves' wife. Although she was seated beside Reeves in the theater, her ability to recount details of the confrontation between Reeves and Olsen was remarkably limited. This might be attributed to the dark and noisy nature of the theater as the movie trailers were being played, the likely intense backlighting provided by the illuminated screen on the far side of the Olsons, and frankly, the shock at the physical violence of the confrontation itself. 
Nothing in Vivian Rees' testimony, however, was harmful or contrary to her husband's claim of self-defense. It was more a matter of her inability to provide the testimony to buttress several important facets of that claim of self-defense because of what she didn't see or didn't hear. The state did blunder in the final moments of their cross-examination of Vivian Rees, however, when Prosecutor Manuel Garcia referred to her testimony in a transcript from the 2017 self-defense immunity hearing in an attempt to show that Mrs. Rees' testimony yesterday was contrary to her testimony back then. In fact, the more complete reading of the relevant portion of the transcript demanded in the moment by the defense shows that no such contradiction existed. This made the state appear either attempting to intentionally mislead the jury or simply incompetent in their grasp of the relevant facts of the case. Direct questioning of Vivian Rees was conducted again by defense counsel Dino Michaels, and cross-examination was conducted by prosecutor Manuel Garcia. All right, that's it on the Rees trial for the moment, folks. Um, Again, we will be live streaming the court proceedings today over at the Rakita Law YouTube page. You can find that at lawofselfdefense.com slash popcorn7. That's popcorn with the number seven. And I hope to see a bunch of you join us there. In the meantime, remember, if you carry a gun, so you're hard to kill. That's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill. So my family is hard to kill. Then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law, so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.